Good morning. morning. Pray with me, please. Father, we bless you that you love us. We thank you for your word and the way that it points us to you. So anything that I say this morning that doesn't point to you, that isn't from you, God, I pray that it would be quickly forgotten. But may your word speak to us and in us and cause us to turn our hearts and our minds to you, that you might be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So I always find it funny to preach uh, in between Christmas and New Year's. Um, There's a joke where they say, this is Youth Pastor Sunday. So the senior pastor gets to take a break from all of the work that they've been doing, and they actually let the youth pastor preach. So to all you youth pastors out there online, go get them. And try not to screw up so bad that they never let you have the pulpit ever again. I'll do the same if I can. Work on that. So I think it's a weird time because, you know, it's a weird time. But anytime you have Christmas and then you have this lag between Christmas and New Year, it's kind of like, are people working or are they not working? Or are things open or are they not open? And what's, what's going on? And it's a very, the term is liminal, in between space, right? It's like, this is weird. And I've experienced that kind of my whole adult life. I don't know if you guys experience that. Maybe, maybe Christmas is just a day and, and you go from Christmas and then put the foot down and then go all the way, then New Year's, and then it's over and you just keep going. But it seems as if there's this kind of in-between place uh, that happens during this particular time. And it often provides opportunities where we can say like, hey, let's, let's look back on 2020 with fondness. And happiness, you know, and, and, and it also is the time when, when people will roll out like what's coming forward and they look forward to what 2021 might be. And so you, you, you're kind of in this place of in the past, but also in the future and, and hopeful. And so I, I think about, you know, what it was like in Christmas's past and, and, you know, and the nostalgia that it brings. And maybe you guys do this and maybe you have special ornaments you put on the tree that reminds you of a time when things were simpler maybe. Maybe you, you remember those or when, when you were younger. And a lot of times I will look back and I'll think life was so much easier when I was younger. It's, you know, my knees didn't hurt the way they hurt now, right? Or some other things are true about what it was like when, when I was younger. So I look back and I'd say, well, there were no bills to pay. You didn't have to pay any bills when you were little, right? That was pretty nice. There's no job. Didn't have these complicated relationships outside of family. There was no laundry. Amen to the laundry. There was no cooking. It's really good. No politics. No crazy social dynamics outside the house. No Zoom meetings, which was great. No voting. No social justice strife. It was just you, maybe, and your family. I'm not trying to say that life was just perfect, but it was simpler, for sure. I always think of it like it was always summertime. I don't know why, but it felt like summertime lasted forever when I was younger. And there was a lot of excitement and freedom. 
And I, I remember hearing people say, you know, when I was a kid, we'd stay out until the streetlights came on. Anybody ever said that in here? Yeah, stop that. Um, you know, and so, so we would think, like, there was, there was no responsibilities, but, you know, of course, you had to brush your teeth, or parents would encourage you to do so, and maybe you had to make your bed. Um, I know, Mom. Um, you had to do chores, right? Maybe you had to help with laundry. Maybe you had to pick up after yourself. You did have to go to school, if you remember that, right? Do homework, deal with other kids or teachers. But it, but it was pretty easy, right? I mean, the, those things were present. We might think of them differently, but the, those things were real, correct? But it was, it was easier or it was simpler. If your mom or dad went out, they would get a babysitter for you. Now, maybe it was a friend or a family member or a friend of the family, and if they were good ones, they took an interest in you and made the time about you and what you, looked, what you liked. We had a friend of the family who was amazing, and uh, Darby, if you're listening, shout out. Darby would take a deep interest in our kids and pay attention to them, and when Darby showed up, she would bring things that the kids were interested in, not her cell phone, Right? And so you've seen maybe the babysitters that show up and, and they really don't care that your kids are there. They're just there to get some money and spend their time. But Darby was great. We were really, really grateful for her. The other babysitters were not so good. You know, they, they would ignore the kids or they would yell if something went wrong and acted as if your home was the last place they wanted to be. And so these babysitter things were always, you know, it was like, who's coming? And what are they going to be like? And are they going to care about us? And if, if you were like me, you longed for a time when you were older. I wanted to have the freedoms I saw that older people had. I wanted to drive. Anyone in here really keen on driving? It was like, yeah, I just want to get, I want to be able to do my own thing. I wanted to go where I wanted to go. When I wanted to go there, I wanted to watch what I wanted to watch. It included Magnum P.I. because I thought that was awesome. Super old, I know. I wanted to stay up as late as I wanted. I wanted to eat what I wanted to eat. I wanted to have money to do what I wanted to do. You, you get the picture, right? I mean, when you're younger, you don't think about the things that are your responsibilities, but you look at the freedoms that other people have and you think, I want those freedoms, and you sit in this space in between. And there's a pivotal time when you no longer need a babysitter. Maybe your brother or sister was old enough, or maybe you were old enough, but you were trusted to stay at home without supervision. It was a big deal. I remember thinking my parents were crazy. <laughs> they don't know what we do when they're gone. There's no real marker for most people when this happens. Adults just decide when you're ready. It tends not to be an age thing, and sometimes that happens because life happens. You just don't have a choice. Schedules change, but there comes a time when you're ready to be on your own. And maybe it's an afternoon or an evening. Maybe it's an overnighter or a weekend, but there comes a point where you, your sibling, somehow in some way, embody what it means to be able to handle the responsibility of being on your own. 
You understand and you follow the rules you've lived under long enough that you're entrusted to live them out without anyone looking over your shoulder. It's a big moment. So I want to read the passage that I'm preaching from today again and try to make sense of, of this. Paul says in Galatians 3, before this faith came, and he's using this word faith interchangeably, I don't know if you can tell. But if you substitute the word Jesus for faith in many parts of this passage, it makes a great deal of sense. But he says, before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come. We're no longer under the supervision of the law. You're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as, an, as the heir is a child, there's no difference from being a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he's subject to the guardians and trustees until a time set by his father. So also, when you were children, we were slave under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir. Paul is saying that according to God, the time has come and the fullness of what faith looks like is revealed in Jesus Christ. He's the one who has embodied what it means to live under, with, and through the law in such a way that we are no longer held to its authority. It's not unlike turning 18. When you turn 18, you are fully an adult legally. It seems a bit arbitrary, but this is when the law has decided that you can do things. Did you know that when you turn 18, you can legally go by yourself and get a tattoo or a piercing? I'm not saying do that. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. You can legally vote. You can enlist in the military. Now, the day before, you couldn't. But something magical happens. And you can now die for your country. You can buy fireworks that are explosive. You can buy spray paint. That's supposed to be sort of funny. I was hoping you would laugh really bad. But you can buy spray paint. Okay. Anyways, you can legally buy a pet. Um, you can drink alcohol outside the U.S. You can make medical decisions. You can give blood. You can sue someone. There's great news. You can be on a jury. You can try your luck with the lottery. You could change your name. Get a credit card. Don't do that, please. You can buy stock, you can buy real estate, you can buy a car, you can adopt a child when you turn 18. 
You can officially get married. You can run for state office. You can work in a bar and serve drinks, even though you can't consume alcohol. You can be tried as an adult for a crime you commit. But weirdly, you can't legally buy alcohol, cigarettes, or rent a car. I don't understand that. It feels arbitrary. But the day before you were 18, you couldn't. And the day after, you can. Just like that. The very freedoms that we longed for as children, we now get. And they are now the responsibilities we have and that we can afford. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. And so we're left with this. Well, I'm free to do this, but should I do this? I mean, before, I couldn't at all. But now I can, but should I? I don't, I'm not really sure. And so we sometimes find ourselves in a liminal space between the past and the future, between what I can and I can't, between freedom and slavery. And in the face of these responsibilities and freedoms, many of us long for simpler and easier times. I don't know how many times I thought during the Christmas season, if I'm purchasing a gift, I thought, you know, I could just trade a pound of bacon for this instead. Right? And we could go back to bartering. Wouldn't that be great? No? I tried. Okay, so it's easier somehow in a black and white world when we don't have to try to figure it all out, when we don't have to know all the answers. Here's, here's, here's for those of you who like Taylor Swift. In her song in 2010, she says, don't, don't ever grow up. You're in the car on the way to the movies and you're mortified that your mom is dropping you off. At 14, there's just so much you can't do. And you can't wait to move out someday and call your own shots. But don't make her drop you off around the block. Remember that she's getting older too. And don't lose the way you dance. Around in your PJs, getting ready for school. Oh, darling, don't you ever grow up, don't you ever grow up. Just stay this little. Oh, darling, don't you ever grow up, don't you ever grow up. It could stay this simple. And no one's ever burned you. And nothing's ever going to leave you scarred. Even though you want to, just try to never grow up. So quintessential about being in between seasons. And Paul is arguing in Galatians that we are now free. And you are free as you can possibly be. There are no more freedoms you can have other than the freedoms that you have in Jesus Christ because God has made a way for you and for me. You aren't just freed from the law. It's, it's not as if, you, okay, now you don't just have a babysitter, a tutor. You're freed from so much more. You are freed from the threat of hell. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, you don't have to worry about your eternal security. It's a done deal in Jesus. There's no worries about eternity. You are freed from sin. And you may ask yourself, well then why do I continue to sin? And I would say, that's a good question. 
I don't know the answer other than the fact that what we trade Jesus for when it comes to sin is sad and shabby. It's like saying, I have a crown here and I want to trade it in at a pawn shop so that I could get a Pez or something. It just doesn't make sense. But we're not a slave to sin any longer. We're freed. It's, we actually can choose to live a life that resists sin instead of just eating it all of the time. Jesus has paid the price on our behalf. And we're freed from death because in Christ the bonds of death have been broken by his resurrection. Can you be more freed if you are freed from hell, sin, and death? And you are an heir of all that it means to be God's child. You do not have to be enslaved to your past. You do not have to be enslaved to your thoughts. You do not have to be enslaved anywhere because God has adopted you into his family and said you are mine and he has marked you with the promise of the Holy Spirit and you are set apart and you are his because of the work that he has done in Jesus Christ, not because of anything we could do. Your inheritance is his. All the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control you can stand is yours. Those are the fruits of the Spirit, by the way. Galatians 5. They're ours because of who Jesus is and what he has done on our behalf. He has poured out his grace and his mercy upon us. And you've heard me say it a hundred times. I'm going to say it a hundred times more. Grace is the free gift of God. It's getting what you don't deserve. <laughs> it's like getting something that's too good that you absolutely can't make yourself deserve. There's nothing you can do. You just get it. And grace says everything about the giver and not the receiver. And so we talk about grace upon grace. We read it in the, in the scriptures from John. It's, it's overwhelming and it's pouring over us and there's nothing we can do except receive it. And the mercy of God is not getting what you do deserve, which is punishment. He says, no, I'm going to withhold punishment from you because of who I am. Not because you're worthy, but because of who I am. And because of my son, I will withhold punishment on you that you deserve even when you choose to sin. All of that is ours. It's all ours. Even in this liminal space, it's true of you and me if you have said yes to Jesus Christ. So we stand on this first day of Christmas, first Sunday of Christmas, it's in just that. Heirs of an incomparable gift on the precipice of this identity, staring into a new world, looking forward to putting 2020 in the rearview mirror and hopeful, 
for what 2021 might bring. And many of us have experienced this past year with tremendous difficulty. Many have longed for simpler days. There's a deep sense of longing to return to what we know is familiar, right? When, when are we going to be able to not wear masks? When can we gather as a family together as a, as a church community, worship together again? When can we get together with loved ones? When can we go to the movies again? When, when can the regular life return? Maybe we just want to go back in time where we felt like we were in control. We had some semblance of knowing what we, we could plan and make plans and do what we thought we needed to do. We, when we had all the answers or we could figure it out on our own. And the first century Christians faced the same thing. That's, that's why Paul is writing them not to go back, right? He's saying not to fall back into the old way of doing things. God has brought you here to this place right now. And the Galatians, he's saying, who's bewitched you people? What is going on? And why are you behaving this way? Because they're wanting to go back to the law. They want to have themselves circumcised so that they could follow the law. And Paul is arguing it's not fitting for people who have been freed to go back to slavery. In the same way, it's not fitting for me to have a babysitter. It doesn't make sense. You can't go back. Things are different because of Jesus Christ. And in Christ, by virtue of His Holy Spirit, God has placed us exactly where and when we are. Other people who have experienced worse things than us, I'm sure have wished. It wasn't them or it wasn't during this time. Like having a nanny or a babysitter or fit parents who taught us what we needed to up to this day, Jesus himself has done it for us and placed his spirit in us in order that the freedoms we now possess do not become the things that enslave us. I want to say that again. God has placed his Holy Spirit in us so that the freedoms we now possess do not become the very things that enslave us. And he's made the argument in chapter 2 that we are not our own. Galatians chapter 2 Verse 20 talks about how we are Christ and it's His life in us. It's not our life to live out. It's Christ's life in and through us. So we get to ask ourselves the question, what does Christ's life look like in me as I exercise my freedoms? What does Christ's life look like in me as I look from 2021 is it a license for me to sin and to continue on doing what I think is right or trying to make myself righteous by following some form of law? What is he doing? What does Christ's life look like as I enter into different relationships? Your royalty, right? 
The Scriptures say you're a city set on the hill. How you engage in your relationships really matters. Why? Because it's Christ's life in and through you. You're a city set on the hill. You are a city set on the hill. You're the hope of the world because Jesus by His Holy Spirit resides in you. Your life matters. How you think about your relationships and and the way you look at money and the way you orient to the world around you, it really matters because Christ's life is in you now. And this liminal in-between space suddenly starts looking very different because it's not about us anymore. It's not about what we used to have or what we could have. But now it looks like Christ's life and it's in you and it's in me. And because all the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control you can stand is yours. It's yours and it's mine. And because we are freed from hell, sin, and death, how we think and act matters. And if we go back, what does that say? If we go back to trying to rescue ourselves from our own sin, if we try to go back to paying our own way, just trying to be good enough for Jesus to accept us. Or or if we try to go back and we just think that that fear and worry is the way forward, we're forsaking the inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ. We're, We're not actually expressing that now. It isn't just enough to leave the past and say, well, I don't want to do that. It's it's about living forward with Christ into what he has for you and for me. So our tutor, our babysitter, our teacher has taught us that we are to live in such a way that those who don't notice, don't know Jesus, that they take notice. Can I say one thing really directly? Listen, if people around you don't know you're Christian because you live differently, not because you're so righteous, but because you're not filled with worry and you're not fretting, you're not angry, and all of the fruits of the flesh, if people around you aren't recognizing that Christ is in you in a substantial way, ask yourself the question, why? Because there's enough of that in the world that the church can't afford to look like that in any way. And that when we are overcome with fear and worry and concern, that the grace of God is there for you and me, that we take it and and, and we walk forward with Him in that because we're not supposed to look like everyone else, not just from the outside. Oh, we look look good. You know, we went to church. we, We did all the right things. But from the inside... that we would so deeply drink from the grace and mercy of God that it would transform us 
into the image of his son. We have every opportunity to embody the one who freed us in such a way to help those around us to see how they can be free too. Every single one of us knows people who are living enslaved. Every single one of us knows people who are living trying to pay for their own sin. Every single one of us. And if you know Jesus Christ, then you are freed. And we have the opportunity then to live as freed people so that those who have been in darkness can see a great light. And that there may be hope going forward, not just in us, but through us for 2021. So I encourage you, may this first Sunday of Christmas and this coming new year find you not pining away for simplicity and the past and easiness, or just trying to do it an old way, but looking forward in hope and expectation around how Jesus will make himself known in and through you as you live your life in and through him. So here's to a new year and a hope for 2021. Amen? Amen.